Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. John chapter 6. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit that comforts us? That we're not limited to natural comfort and natural resources. In John chapter 6, I want to begin uh, here with verse 60. John chapter 6 and verse 60. You know, we've been ministering here now for some time on living by the Spirit, living in the Spirit, a life in the Spirit of God, understanding that, you know, our greatest um, asset here on earth as believers in the kingdom of God is the Spirit of God and is the Spirit within a man. You are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. And when we come to the full understanding and a proper recognition, a proper assertion even, of understanding that I'm, that I'm a spiritual be, uh, being living in an earthly environment, living in a natural environment. But when I learn to first make contact with spirit, uh, with God in the spirit, by my spirit, then I can truly reach my full potential and my, my full capacity of effectiveness in this earth. When we merely try to contact life in a natural way, meaning through our physical senses, our five senses, or through the soul realm, my mind, my will, um, and even my emotions, how I feel about things, then I'm, I'm limiting the capacity to change, to become a component of change. And I'm going to find myself being dictated by the world around me rather than changing the world around me. And at the end of the day, we know Romans chapter 12. We all know it very well. It tells us what? Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Okay? So it gives us two options. I'm either becoming what's around me or I'm changing what's around me. And I want you to know today, God puts you in this planet to be an agent of change. That everything around you that's messed up, jacked up, uh, you know, out of, out of assignment, out of alignment, out of the order that you have been put in this earth to bring it into alignment with the kingdom of God. But I cannot do that by adhering to or appealing to my senses, my feelings, what I hear, what I see, how I feel about something. Um, those kind of things will deter us from the purpose of God. Those things will not cause us to align things that are out of alignment with the kingdom. And before too long, I'm going to find myself aligning with the world. Before too long, I'm, that's why much of the church looks like and sounds like and responds like the world. In moments of crisis, like what we just ministered this past weekend on. Crisis shows up and we know that we are the ones that it should be the answers. And to the solutions. And to solutions or bring solutions to the crises that come to this world. You and I, at the end of the day, should act different, respond different, look different, sound. We should tolerate different things. We should celebrate different things. Come on now. I heard someone say yesterday that uh, the culture that, that, that you celebrate and tolerate is ultimately what's get, what gets set. That's how you set culture, what you celebrate and what you tolerate, what you uplift and what you knock down. And we live in a world today that celebrates the wrong things and tolerates the wrong things. 
binding and loosing. What do you think that is? There's a celebration of something and there's a tolerating of something. And these things change. Our values change. Our desires change. Our wants change when we learn to make contact out of our spirit being, not just out of our feelings and our senses and contacting by the flesh. And I said this a couple weeks ago. I said, that the church has been appealing to the very thing that Jesus has called us to crucify. We've been uplifting and uh, deeming as important. You know, I, I think I made that statement at some point throughout all this, that, that, that we have made the dangerous uh, 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 approach in the church by telling Christians that their feelings matter. Our feelings don't matter as much as we think they do. Now, we're going to get into a point where I'm going to help you align your emotions and because God gave us emotions. I'm going to help us align our feelings because God gave us feelings. I'm going to help us align our senses because God gave us senses, but not to deter us from the word to help us in, 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 in the right direction. So if we don't prioritize it accurately, if we don't put them in place, then we'll be led by the wrong things. In John chapter 6, Jesus has been ministering now for some time. And in verse 60, it says this, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, what's that? That's a sense, right? That's one of those five senses. When they heard this said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Understand cognitively, understand intellectually. Who can understand the word? Anybody ever read the Bible and it been confusing? Anybody read the Bible and it's ever been overwhelming? Anybody read the Bible and feels like it's conflicting with itself? Uh, come on. Uh, we've all been there, right? Because the Bible says what? The word is not naturally discerned. It is spiritually discerned. So right there, we recognize that my natural sense is always going to be limited and going to limit my ability to even understand the word of God. And many of his disciples now are getting upset because he's making some statements that they can't grasp naturally. They can't grasp in a natural sense. I mean, most of Jesus's life was misunderstood by those around him for this simple fact. They could not reconcile that such a great thing would come out of such a small place. Many times they said, can that come out of Nazareth? Didn't they, say the, didn't they say that the seed was going to come from David? Didn't they say he was going to be born in Bethlehem? Didn't they say that? And, and, and they couldn't reconcile the natural components of Jesus' ministry. But those that decided to connect spiritually, those that went beyond and went deeper than just the natural elements of Jesus' life, received from him. We even see that in this moment. And so these disciples, you know, they're like, wait a minute. He's starting to say some things. They're going over our head. We can't grasp this. It, it, I, I, we can't understand this. And when Jesus knew in himself, verse 61, that the disciples were complaining about this. So it wasn't just that they were like, man, you know, they, they weren't hungry for more. They weren't desiring to go deeper. They weren't desiring to, to contact Jesus on that level. They're, they're like, man, what are we following? What are we giving our lives to? What, this isn't worth it. This, this guy is, is starting to sound really crazy. This guy is starting to, you know, he was all, uh, you know, it was all great when he's multiplying bread. It's all great when he's walking on water. It's all great when he's raising the dead. But now he's saying some stuff that's starting to creep us out a little bit. 
You go back and you read what he was talking about. He's talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. (laughs) On a natural level, that sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Sounds like, okay, this guy's a little loopy. He's been on something. Jesus, did you not get enough sleep last night? Did you turn too much water into wine last night? What's going on over here? And and so they're, they're having a disconnect. Because Jesus is in spiritual, and they're still stuck in the natural. They're still stuck in emotions. They're still stuck in, 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 the, in a soul realm. And he knew in, them, in himself that his disciples were complaining about this. He said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> Notice he doesn't apologize. I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I forgot. Y'all aren't redeemed yet. Y'all aren't renewed yet. Y'all, I haven't gone to the cross yet. Y'all haven't received that, that, that new life yet. Y'all don't have the capacity. He just says, so is this offending you? Is this, uh, in essence, he's saying, is this hurting your feelings? You know, Jesus will hurt your feelings. Jesus will offend your mind to, to get to your spirit. Jesus will offend what we think. You know, I heard someone say one time that, that if, if what you know hinders you from trusting in the word of God, then you know the wrong things. Our intellect, our knowledge, what we know, what we feel, these things inhibit, they, they limit what God is trying to do. I know the wrong things. If I know something, if I've experienced something, if I've been through something, if I've, if, if, I've, if, if I've got, you know, someone's explanation or expertise on something that alters the word of God, then they're, they're leading us down the wrong path. These things are misleading and misguiding. We can't trust our feelings. We can't trust our senses, not when it comes to the word of God. I mean, I, I made the statement on Sunday. Sometimes you just got to be willing to look dumb until you look smart. That's faith. Jesus looked real stupid waiting four days to, to, to heal Lazarus, and then he dies. And then makes a statement, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. You will see your brother again. Oh, yeah, I know. When we see him in the by and by, when we see him in the great rest. No, I mean, today, we're going to raise him up today. Jesus knew. Right? So these are the things where at some point when we, when we start living out this thing effectively and we start getting to a place where the word of God takes first place in our life, it, it's going to go directly against culture. It's going to go directly against feeling. It's going to go directly against senses. Well, that's not what I heard. Well, let me tell you what the word of God says. Well, that's, that's not looking like it's going to turn around. Well, let me tell you what the word of God says. And so he's, 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 he's saying, does this offend you? Meaning something's got to give. Either the word's going to give or our feelings are going to give. Either the word's going to give or my, my, my intellect's going to give. Something's got to give way. Verse 62 says, what then if you should see the son of man ascend where he was before? He says, if you're having problem." If you're having trouble with receiving me here on earth, you're going to have a real hard time when I ascend back to heaven and I'm seated at the right hand of the if this is where If this is what's tripping you up, you're going to really struggle when I'm seated at the right hand of the Father and I call you to be raised up and seated together with me. Oh, come on. He, he, he's saying, if this, if this is a hurdle for you, we're only going to have problems down the road. 
Wait, wait till you see me at the right hand of the Father. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Look at this in the Amplified. I love how this reads. Verse 63 in the Amplified. It is the spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit whatever. There is no profit in it. The words, truths that I have been speaking to you are spirit and life. We have have taken a, a, a dangerous route. You know, one of the objectives of the enemy is to make the truth of God's word abnormal and to make lies normal. He wants to switch the two. He, he, he's, he has been in the perverting business, in the altering business, in the twisting business since Genesis chapter 3. That's what he did. He took a truth and made it a lie. He took a lie and tried to make it a truth. And he's been doing that ever since. Today, we live in a world where people are more resistant to a message of holiness than a message of sinfulness. He has, he, he has twisted this thing and perverted this thing so much so that we will relate better to people that say, I struggle like you or I sin just like you. We will receive that person better than one that gets up here and says, I live according to the word of God and I can show you how to do it too. That person is deemed as puffed up, haughty, proud, super spiritual, arrogant, whatever word you want to put on it, when honestly, we should be listening to that person and saying, how are you living righteously? And show me, did Paul not say, be holy as I am holy? Paul said that. Paul said that. Paul wrote that to a church. Be holy. If if a pastor got up in a pulpit and said that today, who does he think he is? But we will so quickly connect with the one that says, guys, I I blow it just like you. And I understand we're real. I understand we struggle. I understand. I I said that a couple weeks ago. I I could get up here and tell you my stories. I could get up here and give you my experience. I can get up here. But you don't need that. It's easy. It doesn't take any skill, work, or effort to relate to someone on a soul level. That's easy to appeal to that. But then when we start introducing the spirit, when we start challenging the spirit, when we start saying, man, rise up to who you are in Christ. Have you ever noticed that, that, that when you need a challenge in the spirit is usually when you least want a challenge in the spirit? When the emotions are high, when the emotions are, are running, where, where the feelings, and, and man, that's, that's the biggest hurdle that we have sometimes as pastors is just to help people get past. I mean, we've been in some pretty highly emotionally charged uh, situations uh, and in environments lately and, and weeding through the emotions and weeding through the feelings and weeding through and trying to just simply get down to, but what does the word say? Let's stand on the word. Let's believe the word. But man, the emotions start running 
They're angry. They want to gossip. They want to talk about. They want to respond in like manner. They want to doubt and, un- and, and walk in unbelief. Uh, they want to feel sorry for themselves. I'm never going to make it through. And, and man, that, 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 that emotional barrier trying to get to the spirit, and the spirit is on the inside. The spirit's on the inside saying, let me out. The Holy Spirit comes in, but he wants out. Let me out. Let me, let's live according. Let's believe the word. Let's, let's challenge the status quo. Let's believe what God's word says in, in, in spite of how I'm feeling right now. Because those things lie to us. Those emotions lie to us. Those feelings lie to us. Just contacting from the soul capacity. But we are investing such a great effort these days in contacting on a soul level, on a soulish level. We're investing so much of our effort and so much of our time, so much of our ministries to just contacting merely on a soul capacity that that people don't want to be strengthened in their spirits anymore. I will... I will cry with you. I will weep with you. I will rejoice with you. I will get angry with you. I will have, but at the end of the day, if I'm doing that at the expense of strengthening your spirit and telling you what the word of God is, I am doing you a disservice. I am misleading you. I am misguiding you. I am taking you down a path that you do not want to go. The word will offend, upset, and challenge the flesh. The word of God will upset offend and challenge the flesh you can guarantee it you can have it will hurt your feelings it's designed to it's designed to it's it's designed in a way because i i cannot sympathize with the soul and strengthen the spirit at the same time it's going to be one or the other I cannot come down to merely contacting my soul and strengthen my spirit. One is going to give way to the other. And he says here, look, you, you, you can try to receive this on an intellectual level. You can try to receive this on a feelings level. You can try to receive this on an emotional level. But it will offend. It won't work. Um, I said this, one of the objectives of the enemy is to twist to pervert and to alter the truth of God's word. And, and, and at the end of the day, guys, the word of God is what, is what should govern what we think, say, and do. The word of God should govern what we think, what we say, and what we do. The word of God is designed to govern what we think, what we say, and what we do. It, what I think, what I say, and what I do should always fall into alignment with what the word says. But you know what? I have found this out. If I don't allow the word to govern what I think, say, and do, my feelings will quickly step in and take that place. They love to rule. They love to govern. Anybody ever been in a, in a, in a position in life where your feelings, they'll take over, man. They'll do it. Well, let me, let me tell you how I feel. People love to tell you how they feel. It feels good to feel. It feels good to tell people how you feel. You just need to vent, right? Just need to get it out of my system, right? And 
What we don't realize is we're contributing to the soul every time we do that. What we don't realize is we're giving in, we're giving a little more. And, and, and this is the thing. It's kind of like what we talked about this weekend in crisis. Whatever you prepare is how you're going to respond. So if I feed my spirit, guess what? When I need to draw on the spirit, it's going to be there. But if I'm feeding my feelings, guys, let me even put it this way. Sometimes we're not intentionally feeding our feelings. We're neglecting our spirit. This is why I, I can't stress enough that we have to be people of the word of God, in the word of God. I mean, probably the, the, the most difficult thing about pastoring is pastoring people that don't read the Bible on a daily basis. They only come to this well every so often and hear a good message and maybe take some notes and maybe highlight some verses, but it's not a part of their daily discipline and their daily regimen. And then we get in a meeting where things are falling apart, things are catastrophic, things are at a wit's end, they, and, and, and we're the ones called in at the, at the 12th hour, the 11th hour, to, to put this big fire out and to save this marriage or to save this business or, or you know, keep me from having you know, committing suicide or whatever it is. When If we would have a daily regimen and a daily discipline of being in the Word of God, we need to get back to pastoring people that read the Bible. We've got to be people of the word. And I haven't failed you. This is not, I'm, I'm going to stand before the Lord. Just as Paul said, I did not shun, I did not shrink back. I gave you the full counsel of the word of God. But we can only do so much. Pastors can only do so much. Godly counsel can only do so much. Godly support systems can only do so much. Godly community can only do so much. No, we've got to value the word of God. Allow the Bible to govern what you think, say, and do. Feed that element. Feed your spirit daily. So your soul, when, it, when you have those moments where the soul wants to creep up, where the soul wants to instigate, where the soul wants to take ownership, where the soul wants to be the taskmaster. We, we've said it multiple times throughout these messages that the soul is a terrible master. It makes a great servant. Your soul will serve your spirit well. Yes, it will. Your mind, your will, and your emotions will serve your spirit, but they are not great leaders. Your mind is not a great leader. It'll run off. Your emotions are not great at leading. Your will, even Jesus in the garden said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But what? Not my It goes to show that even Jesus, the Son of God in the flesh, had a will that was contrary to God the Father. We think that Jesus just lived his life and just automatically obeyed the Father and automatically did the. No, he, he made it very clear. I have a will. I have another way. I have another idea, but not my will. He can't say that if he doesn't have another will. He can't make that statement if he doesn't, if he's not coming to God saying, you know what, if there's another cup, if there's another way, if you've got another, if there's another plan. No, but he says, not my 
will. We need to get back to denying our feelings. Denying our flesh. That's why he says crucify it. Paul said what? I die how often? Daily. Daily. I can do him better than that. I'd die twice a day. I'd die three times a day. I'll die every day as many times a day as I need to to make sure that my flesh isn't reigning, my flesh isn't governing, my feelings aren't dictating what I think, say, and do, but that the word is dictating what I think, say, and do. It's learning to live submitted to the word of God. But if we aren't careful... Feelings will become the governing authority. Our flesh will become the governing authority. So we've got to feed our spirits. Amen. In John chapter 4, going back a couple chapters, you know the, the passage there in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. If you skip on down to verse 21. John 4, verse 21, Jesus begins to make some statements regarding God the Father and how we are to contact him, how we are to connect with him. John chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers, that means that there can be false worshipers, true worshipers will what? Will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. What did he say over there? That my words are spirit, they are truth, and they are life. He said that just two chapters later in John chapter 6. That his words are, are, are that spirit and truth. He says that we will worship in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. This is what he's looking for. This is what he's desiring. He's desiring not that we'll contact him by our feelings. And I tell you what, God's presence is amazing. I've been in, in, in environments where I've felt the presence of God. But that is not an indicator of if God is there or not. That is not an indicator of if God has moved or not. There's been times where God moved and I felt nothing. We love to appeal to those senses. We love to appeal to the flesh. We love to appeal to the soul realm. You know, I've heard people make a big deal about people falling under the power in a prayer, prayer service. Does it really mean that they got something? Let me tell you something. It, 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 it doesn't mean anything other than the fact that when the natural and the supernatural come into contact, one of them is going to give. <laughs> and most of the time, it's not going to be the supernatural. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I've been in, in, in services where there was no physical, natural response whatsoever, but I got my touch from God. I didn't cry. I didn't weep. I wasn't laughing. I wasn't, you know, physically any, any kind of display. I wasn't running around the room. I didn't fall when they, and, and you know, I, I'm just going to be honest because we've all done it. At least if you've grown up in a charismatic environment you've done it ever anybody ever given a courtesy fall 
Well, everybody else fell down. I'm going to fall down too. I don't want this minister to think that I don't want to get insecure on me. Like, I ain't. Yeah, sometimes you just be like, yeah, you just, I'm tired. (laughs) Courtesy falls. There was no spirit, nothing, man. It was just, that was all just whatever. I, I, man, I've, I've seen it all. You, there's, nothing, there's nothing you can show me. There's nothing you can get. get I've grown up Pentecostal. I've grown up charismatic. I, I've seen the flesh. I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. And you know what? I still drive on because people are people, and they don't determine what I believe about the word of God. We just want, we want to get hung up on falling out and tongues and, and this and that and, and running. I mean, I, I've, seen, I've seen people roll around on the floor. I've seen people, you know, I've seen so much stuff. And if really, if, if that's what's going to limit your belief in the word of God, and, and then you've got your faith in the wrong thing in the first place. There, there's not one person on this planet that can deter me from believing or not believing what the word of God says. I've heard people, you know, say, well, I left church because of people. Well, then you were going for the wrong reasons. You should have been going for God. I don't like those songs that you sing. Well, good, because we weren't weren't singing to you. (laughs) We're we're singing to God, right? Come on. I wasn't trying to appease you anyways. We come for the wrong reasons, and then it's the wrong things that deter us, the wrong things that set us off, the wrong things. And it's like, man, I bet you still go to work every day with people you don't like. I tell you, we'll locate feelings real quick, guys. We will locate feelings so fast. We'll, we do, we, you do things you don't feel like doing. Tomorrow morning, you will do something you don't feel like doing. When the alarm goes off, you know what? It'd be a nice day. To, maybe I need to take a sick day. Yeah. But you got to save them up, right? There's a paycheck coming. There's, there might be a day where you really need it. No, feelings, they, they can mislead us. They'll misguide us. No, he says that we are to contact God by the Spirit. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. He says in verse 24, God is Spirit. And those who worship him must, everyone say must. I mean, must means must. That means there's no alternative. There's no other option here. You must worship God in spirit and truth. This is the only way to come to God. At some point, we'll, I'll get in here. We'll talk about soul worship versus spirit worship. I'm not going to get into that tonight. But I'm setting up the principle that God is a spirit being that must be contacted on a spiritual level, on a spiritual, by a spiritual capacity. I mean, we've tried contacting God through the intellect, limited. We've tried contacting God through, uh, you know, our, our feelings or our senses, limited. No, when we learn to contact God by the Spirit. I was just listening to um, a message by Kenneth E. Hagin on the Believer's Authority, and he talks about how he had been ministering for 14 years, had been pastoring through all this time, and found these verses in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3, the Pauline prayers, if you're familiar with them. 
And he said he started praying those prayers. I, I bow my knee to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, I, 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 you know, b- believing for supernatural wisdom, supernatural everything, that, that I'll be able to comprehend with all the saints, that, that, that open up your understanding, open up on the inside, not intellect, not cognitive ability, but begin to, to get revelation beyond a natural ability. He said he did that for six months, every day, as often as he had a chance to. He said thousands, probably tens of thousands of times, he read those passages, and he made them personal. He would put his name in there. He'd, he, he would say, I, instead of the church, he'd say that, that you would open up my eyes, that you would give me a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. He would make it personal. He did this for six months. And he said he began getting revelation. Isn't it amazing if you pray for revelation, God will give it to you? Revelation beyond things that you couldn't learn in school. Things that you couldn't uh, uh, get a degree for. Things that, that you couldn't just comprehend uh, if you just finally, you know, can wrap your intellect around it. He began getting an understanding and a revelation supernaturally. He looked at his wife after ministering for 14 years and said, what have I been preaching? He said, I felt like everything I've been preaching meant nothing at that point because of the overwhelming revelation. And the key is, is we have to walk in the revelation that we know. We must walk in the revelation that we know. But once you are, once you gain a level of revelation or once you come to a certain understanding, you cannot go back. He began to say things like there were certain songs that I couldn't sing anymore. Because I had a different revelation of who God was, that the words didn't align with the revelation he had of the word of God anymore. So it, it cut out, I mean, it, it changed everything when you start walking in this kind of revelation. I'm trying to think of the song that he, he, he went to the Raymond Singers and Band and told them we can't do this song. And he literally told them. It was something about, I think it was making me a, a clean or something creating me a clean heart, something along, you know, God doing something that he's now given us the authority to do. And he's, he went to him, he went to his own group and said, we can't do this song anymore. We can't sing that. We, we've done that here. We, we've changed lines or changed words or just thrown the whole song out altogether if it doesn't align with the word of God. Why? Revelation. Somebody else could sing it and they could worship God and, man, they could contact God because that's the level of revelation. But once you've gained an understanding, you cannot draw back. You cannot detract. You cannot go back and, and, and allow things that appeal to a, a feeling or a, a, a fleshly desire that don't align with the word of God. You learn to make the word of God the governing authority in your life, and it governs what you think, what you say, and what you do. It's that bottom line. And that comes through contacting God by the spiritual capacity. Look at this in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is, it, it could be a whole book by itself, just the one chapter. Is such a powerful chapter. And he's talking about the difference between the spirit and the flesh. The, the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The mind set on the flesh, the carnal mind set on the flesh is death. It pays out in death. It yields in death. And in verse 14, this is what he says. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This is what he's saying. 
an identifier of children of God is that they are led by the Spirit of God. They're no longer led by their impulses. They're no longer led by their desires. They're no longer led by their feelings. They're led by one thing, the Spirit of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Notice it's spirit to spirit. Where's the contact being made? His spirit with my spirit, that I'm a child of God. You know why we have people that walk in guilt and condemnation? You know why people, why we have people that uh, uh, are, are, are not aware of how much God loves them, how much God approves of them, how much God cares for them? It's because they are contacting God out of a different realm other than the spirit. Because the spirit will affirm you're a child of God. The spirit will let you know you're approved. The spirit will let you know you are his. The spirit will let you know guilt and condemnation. He started this whole chapter off with there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, you lose sight of your in him reality. You lose, your, you lose sight of all that you have obtained through the cross that Jesus has obtained for us, not us on our own not by anything we performed. Well, you lose sight of those things. And the devil begins to deceive and he, be, he begins to drive a wedge. I love how verse 14 reads in the Passion Translation. Look at this. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Man, I love that. The mature children of of God are those who are moved by the impulses. How do we live a life moved by the impulses of the Spirit? Oh, you know you and I have impulses of all kinds all day long. But to weed through all the feelings and to weed through all the senses and, and all the sensual stuff and all the desires and all the things that are, that are contradictory to the Word and to get to, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Spirit of God, what are you leading me to do? Spirit of God, I mean, I, I've talked with several people. You know, the summertime, it's a very transient time, especially for students. Are we going back to school? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? And my wife and I are trying to help someone in that process right now and thinking about what to do here. You got to weed through all the stuff, weed through all the voices, weed through all the confusion, weed through all the clutter, weed through all the noises. Guys, a lot of times they're not just voices, they're noises. And we accumulate all this stuff. And we place value on it. Well, you know, that's my cousin. And I really value what they say. Or they've helped me out before. No, the only, the only way I can help you, my wife and I can help you, is if we're being led by the Spirit. We don't have any right, even as pastors, to tell you do this or do that. What is the Spirit of God saying? What is the impulse of the Holy Spirit saying? In the Amplified, it reads this way. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For the Spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship in the bliss of what we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit assuring us that we are children 
of God. Guys, here's what we have to know, and Romans chapter 12 tells us this, that we have to be retrained to live out of our spirit. We have to be retrained to live out of our spirit, respond out of our spirit, believe out of our spirit. How do you believe in the impossible? Out of your spirit. You're not going to do that by, by getting enough intellect in your mind. Well, if I just hear enough stories, you know, testimonies are great, stories are great, but unless they connect with your spirit and, and create a belief system within you that, that's, that the same God that did that before will do it again, it's just going to be a story to you. And you'll walk away with, well, he'll do it for them, but he won't do it for me. It's designed to build faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we've got to contact, we have to retrain ourselves to respond and live out of the spirit. This all went wrong in Genesis chapter 3. We keep going back to that, but it all went wrong. Because Eve decided to try to contact God in a soul level. The devil appealed to her senses and appealed to her feelings and appealed to her intellect. And so she saw the fruit. And she decided it was good enough to make her wise. And, and she desired something that God didn't want her to desire. And she went after it. And ever since then, man has been trying to live out of the soul instead of out of the spirit. And now we live by our feelings. Well, if I feel like it. I mean, we're, we're even, we're, we, we, we celebrate that. Do what you feel. Do what feels right. Like, that's a great way to live. Like, like, that's something to be upheld. No, we need people that will deny feelings. Deny what it feels like. Deny what it looks like. And learn to contact God out of the Spirit. We've got to be retrained to respond out of the Spirit of God. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.